Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. you're here this morning. Well, you've caught us up. If this is your uh, coming back to school or maybe you've been on the summer break, you caught us right in the middle of a, uh, woo, the second, I'm hot up here, Danny, you may have to pull me down a little bit, but uh, second part of a series that we started last week. That's where these cool t-shirts came from. Pastor Woody's going to tell you how you can get one of these if they have your size uh, left because it was first come, first served. But we are right in the middle of a series called I Love My Church, and our Connection Pastor is going to talk about the second reason uh, that we love our church. So would you give a big welcome to Pastor Woody Burpo as he comes to lead us today. Well, it's good to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. And how many of you are enjoying some cooler weather? I'd like for it to stay around, but I know it's probably going to go away and uh, get back hot again before it gets cool for a long period of time. So, But last week, Pastor Steve talked to us about why we should love our church. He talked to us about things like this, that Jesus loved the church. You guys all know that. Jesus loved the church. He gave himself. He read scriptures to you that Jesus died on the cross for the church. He also talked about that the church is the way the world sees Jesus, that he set it up that way. He could have made it just about him, but he set it up so that the way the world sees Jesus is us, the church. And then the last thing that he talked about is that I like being part of a winner. How many of you like being a winner? Right? We all like being winners. Some of you can't be because you're OU fans, but that's neither here nor there. And some of you really can't because you're Texas fans, and uh, your program may not come back for a few years. <laughs> no, but we like being part of a winner, right? And when we're with Jesus, when we're part of the church, we're part of the winner. So we really do love our church, amen? So this morning, I want to talk to you about this idea that iron sharpens iron, so in Proverbs chapter 27, maybe you've never read this, maybe you have, but in verse 17, it says this very simple statement right here, as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. So this idea of iron sharpening iron, um, I, I brought a little illustration to you, it's crazy when you get a knife and a microphone all at the same time, but they allowed me to do it. But iron sharpens iron, this is the idea, is that this is iron and this is iron, and the way that I sharpen this knife is that I use this rod right here, okay? Now, Brett could probably do this a lot better than I could, but, you know, you kind of sh sharpen it and try to not cut your finger off, you know, try to go away from you. But this is the idea that you have to sharpen your knife. See, now, some of you may be in the boat that I was in. I learned this, uh, I learned this theory 
um, about eight years ago, it made, it, it made a lot of sense to me, okay? I thought a knife was a knife. Anybody in the room that way? Okay, you just go to Walmart, and I'm just going to buy a knife, all right? Like this knife right here came from Walmart. It's Paula Dean, but I'm telling you, I bought this as a part of a set that was $9.99, I'm sure, and it came with like three or four knives, all right? And did not come with the sharpening steel in order to sharpen it. So I just thought a knife was a knife, and I'm a, I'm a deer hunter. I won't say that I'm an avid deer hunter because there's some of you that hunt a lot more than I am, but I'm a deer hunter. And about eight years ago, it came to my mind that a knife was not a knife. Okay, I'd hunted with my dad all my life, and when we killed deer, we had a, a, a man that helped us, and he would process that deer for us. He would take a portion of the meat. We'd just show up. All the meat was there. So uh, without my dad, after I killed my first deer, I thought, well, what am I going to do? Well, I live in Oklahoma City. There's a lot of deer processing places. So I called a place and was like, hey, how much is it for a deer? And they told me the price. I was like, uh, excuse me, what? And I started instantly thinking, how much beef can I buy for that? Like, can I buy a whole cow? Or can I go in with Pastor Steve and buy half a cow? Like, I just started thinking, y'all are crazy. So I was like, ah, oh, this is easy. I've done this before. I'll just process it myself. Okay? Now, this is still in the mode that a knife is a knife. All right? This knife, it's just a knife. And I just need a knife, and I can take care of this deer. So I skinned the deer and took all the meat off the deer, and I took it home and thought, oh, I'm just going to cut this meat. And, you know, I mean, I've got a knife right here. And can I tell you, as I began to fight for hours trying to cut up this deer, okay, it wasn't all like nice and clean. I mean, it was like, <clears throat> I mean, I was trying to cut the meat, okay, but I realized that a knife is not a knife, that there's a difference between a dull knife and a sharp knife. So I, I didn't know what to do except for that after my frustration and sweat and four or five hours cutting up this deer, I called my brother and I said, hey, you still do Pampered Chef, right? And he said, yes. I said, all right, I need a good knife. Like, I'm talking a good knife. And he sold me a good knife, and I went back with a good knife and tried to cut the same meat, and it was night and day difference because I had a sharp knife trying to do what it was created to do rather than a dull knife. See, some of you don't use steel. Some of you try to sharpen your knife with something like this. Am I ever going to sharpen my knife like this? What if, I, what if I, like, did it, like, differently, like, you know, this is how I think sometimes we grab a block of wood and just think, oh, yeah, I'm going to sharpen this knife. Come on. Some of us don't do it on purpose, but the only thing that our knife ever touches is wood, and it never gets around another piece of steel. So rather than being a sharp knife, we're a dull knife, and dull knife causes messes and doesn't do what it's supposed to, and God created us to be a sharp knife. Amen. So this iron sharpens iron is what we're supposed to. If we're not careful, we're going to fall into one of the categories that, that, that I just mentioned. Either you're going to think a knife is a knife, or we could say it like this, a Christian is a Christian. Come on, we just think, oh, as long as I go to church and I pay my tithes and I, I, I give to the needy every now and then, I bring some food to the pantry, oh, I'm a Christian and I'm sharp. See, but that's a myth. See, or we fall into the other category where we're trying to sharpen our life with a piece of wood rather than using a piece of steel. Or we spend more time around the wood than we do the steel, so the wood actually makes us dull. Come on, I'm preaching about a knife, but I'm preaching about your life. That you're supposed to be sharp. See, this is, this is what I began to think about. What does a person that has been sharpened look like? 
See, we know this idea, and I know what a sharp knife is, and I remember growing up with my dad and him showing me when the knife is real sharp, you can shave the hair off of your arm, or at least that's what he used to show me all the time. And he used to cut all the hair off and just, I mean, the knife was so sharp he could do it. But what does it mean when we're sharp? Does it mean that we just look good in our clothes? Like, oh, man, you look sharp. Is that what it's talking about? But I think as I've thought about it and as I read Scripture, I think that we can narrow it down to a few things that when you're sharp, you're encouraged. See, you don't walk down with your head down. See, when I see somebody that walks with their head down and they're always sad and they've always got more problems than they've got things to uh, be thankful about, I know that that person is more dull than they are sharp. Because a person that is sharp is a person that is encouraged. How about this? A person that's sharp would be called a person that is prepared. Come on. Not prepared for the apocalypse, not prepared for tax day. I'm saying they are prepared to walk through what God has for them. They are prepared for life. They are prepared for parenting. They are prepared. A person that is sharp is a person that is prepared. See, a a person that is sharp is used for the purpose he or she was created for. Can I tell you, I see a lot of dull people, and the reason that they're dull is because they're not operating in what God created them for. They may be doing some things, but they're not doing all things. And when you're sharp, you will be used for what God created you to to be used for. A dull knife, most of us, we may not know how to sharpen, but just in case you're wondering, a little plug here for Pampered Chef, but they've got this nice little sharpening block. It's much easier than that. You just pull the knife straight through it. And it sharpens it, so you don't have to try to use that and cut your fingers off, um, but you can do that. But most of us just keep using a dull knife even though it's dull. Come on. I don't want to, like, throw my wife under under, under the chopping block here, but I have this really nice Pampered Chef knife now. So you can use it, and it's sharp, and it's got a nice handle on it, and it's just, it's really, really nice. And sometimes I see her cutting things. I'm like, babe, use the good knife. Like, why would you work harder? And she's like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, I just, this is the knife I've always used. But isn't that some of us? Isn't that some of us? Well, this is just the knife I've always used. This is just how I've always done it. And we're dull, and we don't even know it. See, the thing that comes to my mind is try to, try to cut a tomato with a dull knife. I mean, I've seen people, like, absolutely tear up a tomato trying to cut it. I mean, literally shred this tomato. There's nothing left of it. There's more juice than there is. There's more juice on the table than there is inside that tomato because they were using a dull knife. And see, and what I think is sometimes in our life, rather than being sharp and being able to be used for what God wanted and being able to carry out the purpose that he created us for, we end up being dull and all we really do is cause a mess. All we really do is hurt people. We may kind of get the job done, but because we're not sharp, we don't do it with precision. Come on. So the church, the church, I love my church because iron sharpens iron. The church is supposed to be a relational place. See, most of us have become in the, of the mindset of which a lot of people have is that, oh, I'm just a consumer of church, just like I'm a consumer at the grocery store or at Starbucks or at Burger King or wherever. wherever. I'm just a consumer. I'm going to come in. You're going to give me something. I'm going to leave. See, but that's not what God created the church for. God created the church to be a relational place, a place where we could come in and have relationships with each other. Come on. 
It's a place where we're supposed to make connections. Yes, we come in, and yes, we worship God together, and yes, we hear a word, and yes, we're motivated. But if that's all you're getting from church, can I tell you, you're missing the purpose. The purpose of church is to make connections because iron really does sharpen iron. So today, this morning, I want to talk to you about how to sharpen iron. I've got two words for you, very simple and very easy. The first is this, how do you sharpen iron? Intentionally. It's intentional. You don't accidentally sharpen a knife. You don't just wake up one morning and this knife was dull and now it's sharp. If this knife is not dull and you don't intentionally go after sharpening it, it will never be sharp. It will remain dull for the rest of its life. So we have to become intentional about, about iron sharpening iron. So these are a few ways that you can be intentional is that you can seek it out. You've got to pursue it. And this is most of us. This is where we miss it. We've got to push past the awkwardness. Come on, how many of you know when you first meet somebody, it's just a little bit awkward? Like I talk to them and, you know, it's like, oh, cool, I really don't know anything else about your life, so I don't really know what else to say. So it's like, oh, cool, well, the weather's been a little bit cooler this today, huh? Yeah, cool. All right, awesome. Well, um, I'll see you next Sunday. And we just leave. So we never push past that awkward moment. How about that awkward moment of like, hey, you know, I fit, really feel connected to you, Ryan. Hey, Ryan, why don't we have lunch one day? Oh, whoa, wait, what would I talk about for a whole hour? Don't worry, just chew and talk about how good the food is. But see, we won't push past that awkward stage where we can find out that Ryan's a brother just like me, that he and I are friends, that we are facing the same things, that we both have wives, that we both have things that we're trying to fight through and things where I can sharpen him and he can sharpen me. But we won't push past that awkward moment of, hey, I don't know anything about you. I don't know your parents' names. As a matter of fact, I don't even know if they're still alive. I don't know your kids' names. I don't know how long you've been married. I don't know where you live. But, hey, guess what? You can find out those things so that you can be intentional about iron sharpening iron. But we got to be willing to push past the awkwardness. See, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 9 through 11 says, For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Then it says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. Is that not the idea of sharpening each other? Is that we are encouraging one another, that we are building one another up? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Jesus Christ came and he died and he died for all of us and therefore we should be encouraging each other. We should be building each other up. But sometimes we don't. We just think, oh, well, the pastor will build me up. Come on. Or, oh, I'm just going to listen to this podcast, and this podcast is going to build me up. And can I tell you, that's part of it, but it's not all of it. The other part of it is that I have somebody in my life that when I start going down the wrong path, guess what? Somebody sees it. Somebody notices, hey, Woody, you're, you're not the same as you normally are. Are you, are you all right? And I can say, no, actually, I'm not. You know, I've been struggling with this sin, sharpening. They can encourage me, they can build me up, they can pray for me, but I got to let people get there. I got to push past that awkwardness. Can I tell you what the enemy really tries to do is tries to prevent iron sharpening iron through offense, envy, and busyness. 
Come on, that's good. I said it real fast, but it's good. We either are envious of each other, come on, or we have an offense from one another, or we just say, no, 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 I just don't have time to hang out with somebody else. So one of those three things, the enemy will use that and leverage that so that we do not have close relations with each other so that we cannot sharpen each other. Because listen, the enemy doesn't want you to be sharp. He wants you to be the dull knife trying to cut the tomato while he sits back and sits back and laughs at how hard you're having to work to cut a tomato. Come on. That's what he really wants. See, this is what I think we fail to understand about this portion of scripture in Proverbs chapter 27 verse 17. Pay attention that it says as iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. See, and what we've done as consumers of church is we think that one man, one man is going to sharpen all of us. And can I tell you, that is literally impossible to do. The, the idea of that is that I would hold this right here and all of y'all have a knife and I'd say, come sharpen your knife. I'm telling you what, I'm going to get cut up. I'm going to get torn up and so are you. But that's what we do. We think that it's the pastor's job to sharpen us when this scripture says literally one man sharpens another. One woman sharpens another. It happens one-on-one. -on -one. It's when I'm hanging out with one other person that I can actually be honest about what's going on in my life. But see, we got to be able to take the time out of our busy schedules to make that a priority so that we can make it happen. And then we got to push past that awkwardness of, man, if I tell them that, what, what, what's going to happen? Well, I'll tell you what's going to happen. They're going to encourage you, and they're going to build you up. And if they don't do that, you come talk to me, and I'll encourage them and build them up. Come on. We have to make connections at church so that we can sharpen one another. See, the second word, so we first got to be intentional about sharpening each other, but the next word is proper. See, I think too many times we don't do it properly. See, you can ask anybody that's ever used this sharpening still, and I haven't used it near enough to be very good at it, but if you ask anybody, there's a right way and a wrong way. See, if I took this and I just began to do this and rub it like this, is it going to sharpen that knife? Not at all. As a matter of fact, what if I took it on the back side? Is it going to sharpen the front side? No, there's a proper way that we are supposed to sharpen each other, and, and, and I think that there's two parts to that. Pastor Steve and I talked about two parts to that, and one part we like and one part we don't like. The proper way to sharpen each other is to have love and correction. See, and I love the love part, but I don't love the correction part because we want everybody to love us. We want everybody to build us up. We want everybody to do that, but how many of us want to be corrected? How many of us want to be there and, 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 and hang it out and we're doing something and then somebody says, hey, you know what? Actually, I want to talk to you about that because I, I don't think that's right. I think that actually you handled that situation in a wrong manner. See, we love being loved, but we don't like being corrected. Matter of fact, if you correct the wrong person, sometimes they'll leave. But can I tell you that if they leave, that means that they're a fool what the Bible says. If you hate correction, you're a fool. That's what Proverbs tells us. We don't want to be fools. We have to learn to get in close-knit relationship so that I can love you when you need to be loved, but I also have a relationship with you, and I can correct you. 
When you need to be corrected, I want to be able to correct you. But we've got to do it the proper way. See, the truth is we will not sharpen each other if we only have one of these things and not both. If there's only correction, listen, if there's only correction and not love, it won't work. But also if there's only love and not correction, then it won't work. We will not sharpen each other. See, I think too many times what we do is we won't let people get close enough to us to sharpen us. Come on, because of my past, because of what I've gone through, because of my experience, because of maybe a, a, a boyfriend a long time ago or a girlfriend a long time ago or a best friend a long time ago or a pastor a long time ago or a leader a long time ago, they did something and it hurt us, so now everybody's kept at arm's distance. How about we make it real? Maybe a mom and a dad did something to us, so we keep everybody at arm's distance. Maybe it was a family member, and we keep everybody at arm's distance. We won't let anybody get close enough to us. And if I can't get close to you, can I tell you I can't correct you? I can't love you the way that I, that I should love you? Yeah, I can love everybody just like God told me, but I can't really love you if, I don't, if I'm not able to get close to you. See, I, I, I've heard it like this. We struggle to separate people from entities. See, Pastor Steve talked about that there's a lot of people that don't like the church because of one thing or another. Can I tell you that those people have a problem separating people from entities? See, I hear people say all the time, oh, the church hurt me. And as I hear them tell their story, I realize the church didn't hurt them. A person hurt them. But because that person was inside the church or employed by the church or a volunteer of that church, now we say the church hurt me. No, the church didn't hurt you. A person, a group of people, those are who hurt you, but not the church. So anytime I see people that are anti-church and they're talking bad about church, I try to find a way to correct them, to love them in correction and say, listen, it's not the church that's the problem. It was the people. And listen, we're not perfect. Amen. And neither are you. But for some reason, we expect our pastors to be perfect. And if they ever have a struggle, we can't handle the fact that they had a struggle. But we struggle every day. Come on. See, and we see these big pastors and they made mistakes. Okay, and there's things that they should have done to try to prevent that and things that they should have done to avoid that. But I'm telling you that they made a mistake. The only difference between them and you is that you don't have a platform big enough that a TV crew shows up at your home. I'm just telling you how I feel. But we say the church hurt us. But it's not the church, it's a person. And we have to be able to separate the people from the entities so that we can get to the place where we say, I love my church. I love my church because I want somebody to sharpen me. We have to get past the place of holding people at arm's distance. We have to get past the place where the only thing we can talk about is the weather and football. We have to get past the place where the only thing we can talk about is how KD left and we're all upset. Too soon? Too soon. But we got Westbrook, and that's important. But we got to push past the place where it's just a surface level relationship. We have to push past the place where I only see you at church. 
I have to push past the place where I have all of my friends and then I go to church with nobody that I call my friend. Because I've got to have, I'm not saying you can't have friends outside the church. Have friends outside the church. As a matter of fact, you should have a good even number of friends of people that are saved and people that are not saved. If you got all of your friends saved, you should find more friends so that you can keep ministering. But get to a place where you go to church with some people that you call your friend. Get to the place where you go to church with people where you can, when you're having a hard time, you can call them and say, hey, I need to go to lunch with you. Not this, oh, yeah, man, let's have lunch sometime. Well, if we want to have lunch sometime, get your calendar out, get my calendar out, and let's plan it. Otherwise, we're going to say that for six months. Anybody do that? Hey, let's have lunch. Let's have lunch. Dude, I'd love to have lunch with you. Dude, I'd love to have lunch with you. Dude, I'd love to have lunch with you. Six months later, it's like, dude, let's have lunch. Pull open your phone calendar. Figure out when you can have lunch and hang out with them. Miss Kim, I'm going to ask you to come play. We have to learn to develop these close relationships so that iron really can sharpen iron. See, if we're not careful, see, I, I talked to you about the wood, and most of you are not crazy enough that you try to sharpen a knife with wood. But can I tell you what the wood represents in your life? TV. Social media, work, and if we're not careful, all we end up with is the wood sharpening our life, and what it really makes us is dull, and we're not prepared, and we're not equipped, and we're not ready to do what God's told us to do. We're not encouraged, we're not enjoying our life, and it's because we're just letting the wood that surrounds us try to sharpen our life. And God's saying, the wood's always going to be there, but you got to pick up a piece of steel. you got to find a friend, find somebody that you can hang out with, that says the tough things to. Men, can I tell you? Find another man that'll look at you and say, hey you don't start treating your wife better, she's going to leave you. And everybody's going to say, I don't blame you. Some of y'all parents, us parents, need somebody to look at us and say, hey, take it easy. He's only three. But can I tell you, if you don't have somebody in your life you act the way you act around your kids and get close enough to you to watch you spend time with your family get close enough to you so that when you're going through a hard time they hear what's coming out of your mouth because what's coming out of your mouth is what your heart's full of we gotta let people in we've got to invite people in we have to be intentional about it, but we have to go about it the proper way. We can't just willy-nilly sharpen each other. I can't
can't just sharpen you on Sunday morning. I can't just sharpen you the one time a year we actually put it on our calendar and we hang out. I got to spend some time with you. Lord Jesus, this morning, God, I pray that you would help us. God, I pray that you would help us, God, to not just let the wood be in our life. Not just let the wood try to sharpen us. Us not think that that's good enough, but God, go after the steel, the person that's iron, so that they can sharpen us. God, let us be intentional about it. But God, let us do it the proper way. In Jesus' mighty name. So two questions this morning. Who's sharpening you? person in your life that's sharpening you. And then the next question is, who are you sharpening? Think about it for a moment. Who's the person in your life that you'd say that person sharpens me? And then I sharpen this person. Maybe it's the same person. Who is it? And then the follow-up question to that is, are you spending enough time with them? God, I pray that you'd help us. God, let us desperately see our need for this. Let us desperately understand the fact that one man sharpens another. And God, I love my church because I'm able to get to that place where one man can sharpen me, where one woman can sharpen me. Help us all. God, we could all be better at it. And God, I pray that you'd help us. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed just for your own benefit so that you can be real with yourself. I ask you, do you have somebody that sharpens you? Somebody that can both love and correct you? Somebody that can call you out when you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing? this morning, would you be honest and say, I need to find that person. I don't want to embarrass you. I just want you to acknowledge it yourself. Raise your hand and say, you know what? I need to find somebody. Yeah, I see you. I see your hands. I see more hands. Yep. I see your hands. Thank you, Lord Jesus. God, I pray for every single person in this crowd that raised their hand and said, you would begin to reveal to us and show us the absolute necessity of that, God. How important it is to our life. And God, I pray that we would be intentional and proactive about it. But God, we go about it the proper way. Lord Jesus, we'd be intentional pushing past the awkwardness, God. Pushing past our pain through what somebody else has possibly done in our 
life. God, pushing past the busyness of our schedule and saying, this is important. And that God, that iron really would sharpen iron. God, I pray for the rest of us, Lord, that we have that person. God, I pray that we would take an evaluation of how much time we spend with them, that we take an evaluation of how honest we are with them, God. Maybe we've been lying to them about some things. Or maybe not lying, just we're not talking about those things. God, let us be totally honest with them. God, so that iron really can sharpen iron. And God, I pray that we would be encouraged, that we'd be built up. God, I pray that we would be loved and that we'd be corrected. In Jesus' mighty name, everybody said, Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I want you to be sharp. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.